we get started, I want to do something a little bit different tonight. I, Lord changed my message this afternoon. I had a different one intended. And I want to preach on the church tonight just a little bit. And I want to do this. I want to take a couple quick testimonies, uh, if I can, tonight. And maybe it's specific to what Grace Baptist Church has meant to you. Uh, but maybe it's you, maybe you're, you have been here less time than some. And maybe it's just what church in general, maybe another place, has meant to you. If you'd hand one of those to somebody else and just so just take a minute and maybe it's something that's happened to you while here at grace or maybe you're from another another church another place but something that that what ch- what church has meant to you what has it done for you in your life how has god blessed you and worked in your life through a local new testament church anybody have one brother chris i got saved at uh school camp uh, grace christian school camp back in 1991 and of course with the school being a ministry of the church without that ministry um it, I don't know where I would be today, so definitely uh, played a huge part in where I'm at right now. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody? Brother Brother Edmondson. Or brother over here. Hmm. We're not going to fight over this. <laughs> no, I'm just blessed because I was saved here at a very young age, and so I've seen over the years what God has done here. When I first come here, Hodges Hall was the main auditorium. And there was a little building out where the parking lot was, which was an old store building. That's where we had vacation Bible school when I was a kid. So I've seen God expand the property here to cover just almost the whole area around here. And I've seen God work in lives. I remember when I was a kid, there was some old folks here that was real saints with God. I tell you, they'd get up and pray and just weep like babies. Their heart would be so broken. And God would just bless, and you could feel his presence throughout the whole auditorium as people prayed and they wept. And to see people walk the aisle back in those days, just crying and running to the altar to be saved. And I was fortunate to hear some of the greatest preachers. I mean, uh, Dr. John R. Rice, Sr., I've seen uh, Lester Roloff, and just others, great preachers that preached powerful message that really tugged at your heart. They preached on sin. I mean, drinking, smoking, cussing. I mean, you name it, they preached on it. And people would come forward, even save people. You know, it was backslidden. You know, they did these things. God would get a hold of their heart, and they would come forward. So I've been blessed to be a part of Grace Baptist Church all these years. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with this new property we got now. And I'm just excited to be here. Praise the Lord. Anybody on this side over here? Anybody over here? Where's Brother Ant? Anybody on this side? And then I'll look with Brother Moody. Well, I'm just really thankful to the Lord. Uh, when I uh, got through with high school, I uh, started going to uh, uh, Ferris State to get refrigeration and stuff like that and, and everything. But uh, one thing I didn't anticipate in, in uh, this way is just all of the uh, great fellowship that I could have with other students at uh, Paris and uh, uh, then I graduated and I moved on I got graduated from there and moved on and another phase of my life but I, I still wanted to be around Christian fellowship so I went up to the, the local college and college and I uh, went up to the uh, de- the desk I went up to the desk of uh, the library and asked him, do they have a Christian fellowship here on campus? And uh, uh, she said, I think I can help you. I'm the president of the InterVarsity chapter here. Mm. <laughs> it was Doris. <laughs> Dor- Doris is a 
Doris is the one I was talking to. And uh, I tell you, you, you guys know the rest as well as I do now. <laughs> but uh, I just thank the Lord for, for Christian fellowship. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Testimony. What church has meant to you over here? Brother, if you go to the back. and Did someone raise their hand up here? Oh, we'll take her next, Miss Daniel. Well, I hadn't been around as long as Brother Don, but um, a good 45 years ago when I was in K-5, I guess, kindergarten, whatever, and Miss Barrick was our teacher, we were down in the basement over here, and I guess it was about, about that time, but, um, but we've seen a lot of things take place ever since that time, and the Lord's really been good to our church, and you know, the things that I look at was, um, I grew up in the church, mom and dad kept me in church, and we came to church whether we liked it or not, but what that's done for me over the years is it's kept me grounded and accountable. And I'm um, so thankful for that. And uh, obviously want to pass that on to my kids, and hopefully they stay grounded and accountable all the way through when they're my age, obviously. And then, um, um, of course, as Chris said, the school, what a uh, great tool that the church has been, or used that through to help us in our lives and so forth. And um, uh, I hope that never changes. And I'm so thankful that the Lord has seen fit to continue to use Grace Baptist Church all these years. And Amen. he doesn't seem to be done with it anytime soon. So Amen. very thankful. Amen. Amen. Ms. Danielle. Um, I am thankful for the consistency of both of the independent fundamental Baptist churches that I have had the privilege of being a member of first up in Missouri and then down here. My mom being saved later in life at 25 years old, the church um, is what discipled her first there and then here. And I don't know what kind of home I would have been raised in had it not been for the local church. And um, they were our babysitters and they were my mom's... um, and again, you know, they discipled her and everything, but they, they led us through some really hard times with my dad and things like that. And so it was just, it was, it's such a privilege to get gotten, you know, two amazing churches to grow up in and to be counseled under and everything. So I'm thankful for the consistency of those Amen. churches. Amen. Amen. Somebody over here. Yes, ma'am. Well, I thank this Lord for this church. This pretty soon I'll be here 40 years. And I look across this auditorium and I see grown people with children and grandchildren that I used to teach in the fifth and sixth grade in Sunday school. And Brian, I used to bring, used to go out and get him when he was just a little toddler like his son. And I used to drag him to church. And, and uh, But, you know, God's got such wisdom about this place. It's, uh, I used to go to another church. When I first came here, I had to go where my family went. But I'd sneak over here to Grace because I heard so much about this place. So when Pastor Hodges was here, they used to have uh, where Mrs. Uh, Keys' office was. That used to be the Sunday school room for the adult class. And uh, I've seen God in his wisdom from preacher to preacher. Everyone he brought to us, one by one, God, it, they did something for this church. It just broke it on and on and on. And as the last one, uh, God's just blessed me just to sit under the pastors that he's put in this church and help me grow. And I don't care how old you are in the Lord, I learn something every day. Amen. And I thank God for this place and the people in it. I just, I just love all of you, and I, I just pray that God will keep blessing us like he has been. Amen. Ms. Katie Shuler, if you were back here, Ms. Katie um, God used this church about 19 years ago to help me, show me love and support through the hardest trial of my life of losing my baby. And I'm not going to cry, sorry. And then when I po- picked up this homecoming flyer, and I saw these people that walked with me through the whole process. They held my hand. They held me. And it wasn't, I couldn't have got through it without the support of this church. Amen. Amen. 
Like, uh, anybody over here? And I'll come back one, one or two more and be done. Miss, uh, Miss Mary down front. I'm thankful for Grace. My husband and I both got saved here at Grace. Um, we, we met, we got married, and um, we always got along well, but we went to different churches. And that was one thing that always divided us. And so Kimberly Morrison invited me to Friends Day here. And I came in, and I tell you, from the time I walked in the door, I just had this piece about this is where I needed to be. And I don't really remember the sermon. I just remember crying through the whole thing. But I did get saved after that sermon. So I went home, and I told my husband, I'm getting baptized. And he goes, what? You're not getting baptized with the people you're studying with. And I said, I have to just explain. You have to come. So he came the following Sunday and got saved the following Sunday, or the following Thursday, and then got baptized that following Sunday. And then our son, Brian got baptized the Sunday after him. So all three of us back to back. So I'm thankful for Grace and I'm thankful for the ministries here and going out and preaching the word and inviting people to the church. And so we're really thankful because we can serve the Lord together now. And it's it's nice to be together and to serve the Lord together. So I'm thankful for Grace and I'm thankful for wonderful preachers. I mean, we've had wonderful preachers here and you're just the man after God's own heart. And I'm very thankful for you. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Anybody else? And we'll start. Take your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 16, and stand with me if you would as you turn, and come back to some of those testimonies here in a minute. But Matthew chapter 16, familiar passage of Scripture, you know it probably well, and Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, uh, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Dear Lord, I love you, and I thank you for the Bible we held in our hands. I thank you for its consistency, its reliability. Lord, it's how it's relevant to us today, just as much as it was the day it was written, and the day you, you gave it to man. And I pray tonight that as I preach your word, that you would just speak to our hearts. Feed us from, our, from your word. Lord, I love you, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This passage of scripture, I had another message in mind, and I was sitting in the office, though, and, and I just began to think about um, uh, this afternoon, just sitting there thinking about some things, thinking about the, the prospects of the building uh, down the street and some things that came up with that. I started thinking 75 years, homecoming, just right around the corner, 75 years, long history of God doing some wonderful things. Then I started thinking of Revelations, Revelations chapter 2 and through chapter 3, and, uh, and just thinking of those churches at Ephesus and Philippi and Smyrna and uh, Laodicea and all those churches there, some of the things around surrounding those churches. And, and then I just started thinking, I wonder where those churches are at today, and obviously they're no longer around. I started thinking of some churches, you know, that just as a young person that I knew of at that time were great churches, thriving churches, and uh, both numerically and spiritually, God was doing some tremendous things, and that if you went looking for them today, many of them are not there any longer. You might find a building there, but no, no church, no group of people any longer assembling there. I, I've seen churches that have gone, you know, thriving churches just down to barely almost non-existent, as if they have just begun to fade away. And, uh, you know, I started thinking about those things, and I, and I thought, Lord, what is it that... that you know, keeps a church alive, keeps it thriving. I look at Grace Baptist Church, and I think, boy, God, you're still blessing, you're still working. What is it 
that keeps that going. I don't know about you, but 50 years from now, if the Lord tarries, I'd like Grace Baptist Church to still be going and still thriving for another generation. I'd love to see that when I'm long gone, all right? I'd love to know that my children are still serving and still faithful and still thriving. And I just started thinking about this passage of Scripture and some of the things that it just it lays out here that I think that really just show a, just make a church just a thriving church. We all know what it's like to look at a, a place and see great things had happened there, but they're gone. And in this passage of Scripture, God gives us a glimpse at really the founding of the church and how He was going to found it, and I think some things that make it continue to thrive. I think one of the things, you know, just as I thought about it, was just this matter of faith. I, obviously, the Lord tells us about faith. It says, the just shall what by faith? Live by faith. You know, it's, it's an absolute necessity for faith, it, it is, whether it's in the Christian life as an individual, whether it's for a local New Testament church, and there's got to be faith, because without faith it is impossible to please God. It's impossible. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into the place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. In Hebrews 11, 1, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I think faith has a, a forward movement to it. It has a forward movement. It has a forward look. It's continuing to look forward. And uh, we love to look back at wonderful things and the testimonies of the goodness of God. But, but faith keeps us moving forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. It keeps us going. I, I remember one time hearing a preacher with a large church. This church is still there, not what it used to be. But, but he was talking about churches and he was talking about that, that change, how, how they begin to fade. And he goes, you know, the thing about the church is God calls it the body of Christ. In other words, it's, it's not an organization, it's not a business, it's not an assembly, it's, it's not just a fellowship, but he, he refers it, it has all those things kind of involved in it, but he refers it as, a, as the body of Christ. And he said, you know, one of the things that keep it important in the church is that it is an organism. It's not just an organization, it's not just a business, it's, a living, it's the living, breathing body of Christ made up of local New Testament uh, church, uh, the Christians, the believers of God. And he said, what happens to a church is that it'll go from being an organism that's just thriving and growing and walking close to the Lord, because then it kind of fades into an organization. And he said it begins to fade into organization where it has all its programs and all its functions and, and all of those things. And they, they, boy, they, they, they do all those programs and they, they have all those things and it goes so well, but it's, it's left behind maybe that, that organism, that, that body of Christ, that closeness to the Lord and that focus on that. And it begins to become an organization. And then he said it kind of drifts into becoming a machine. And it becomes a machine. They're just going through the, 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 the motions, if you will. They're just clicking off. They're just going through things. And, and it's happening because it always happened. I mean, it happened that way a year ago. It happened that way 10 years ago. So we need to do that same way today. And it just becomes a, a, a machine that just keeps going. He said, you know what happens to machines is they rust. <laughs> they rust. They're no longer, and it, and it just begins to rust. And it's not long before things just start coming apart and he said and this is an older preacher he just said in the years as i looked at churches it just seems to be at and it may happen from as people change as the ministry changes but it just goes from that organism to an organization to if you will just a machine and then that machine begins to break down and rust and it's not long before it's uh, just an empty shell and uh, i look at this pastor trip i don't ever want that to be the case and i think there are some things in this passage of scripture 
that helps a church thrive, especially concerning this matter of faith. And I, I think the first thing about a church that thrives is a church that thrives is, is first doctrinal. Look at verse 15. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. You know what he says here? He goes, upon this rock. He's not talking about Peter. The name Peter means stone, but it means little stone. The word rock, he's talking about a foundation. He would go on to the Lord, would go on to Peter himself, would reference this in his, in his epistle that God would give him under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And he'd call Christ the cornerstone of the church, hearkening back to this, this moment, this conversation, that Jesus was the cornerstone of the church. And, and he speaks of this, that a thriving church is a doctrinal church. It's rooted in the, the, personal, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, it's, it's not about, if you will, personality. It's, it's not about, uh, you know, just merely uh, functions and habits and programs. But it's really, truly rooted in the doctrines of the Word of God. The Bible calls the church the pillar and the ground of what? Truth. He said the church is the, the pillar and the ground of truth. And he doesn't call my home that. He certainly doesn't call the government that. But he calls the local New Testament church the pillar and the ground of truth. He tells Timothy to preach the word. He warns, warns Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 where he says this. He says, uh, he goes, in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits. He would say later on in that chapter the antidote to not departing is the doctrines of the word of God. He said to give heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. He said to give attendance to read, reading and he would talk about this antidote. And boy, we live in a day and age in which I think in our culture, the church as it should be is fading. If you will, we have organizations, we have clubs, we have fellowships, we have events, but we don't have a whole lot of doctrinal right down the line preaching of the word of God. The church. You know what makes a church thriving is that it's built upon the Lord Jesus Christ that we grab who he is and how he's described himself in his word and that becomes the pillar and the ground of truth. A unity that is formed around the word of God. Boy, we, we live in a day and age in which people are trying to find unity in diversity. It just doesn't match, does it really? I mean, and all these things, and I'm for diversity, don't get me wrong, but diversity that's centered around a common doctrine. I remember there was this church in Indianapolis, not far from where I was called, it was called the Blended Church. And they advertised outside of that, that they had, I don't know, you know, 40 or so different nationalities that went to the church. And I remember knocking on the door, and I knocked on the door, and I was inviting the man to church. He goes, oh, oh, I'm a, I'm a Sunday school teacher down at this church, the Blended Church down the road. And, and I said, oh, that's wonderful. And I, we started talking for a few minutes. I said, hey, I'm glad you go to church. I'm the pastor over here. And I said, let me ask you this question. Are you 100% sure that if you were to die to get day, you'd go straight to heaven? And he looked at me and said, I hope so. Like, you hope so? Well, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. That ye may know. How does it go to where 
You teach the Word of God, but don't know for sure about your eternal security. Doctrine. Doctrine. Eternal security. All those things that are so important. And boy, I believe this, a church. We live in a day and age of, of diminishing the importance of doctrine. And yet you know, a local New Testament church is to hold up the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. A church that will stay thriving for the Lord recognizes something. The doctrine of the Word of God is of utmost importance. It's holding up its truths. It's holding up the person that the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you know, represents. I think this faith is a church that is alive and thriving is doctrinal. A church that is alive and thriving is, is purposeful. Verse 19, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There he goes to the to kind of the purpose of the local New Testament church. And he tells Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. That rock is the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, I give unto these the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The Lord would compare himself in John chapter 10, if you will, to the door. He would say, I am the door, if you remember. We sing that song, or children sing it. One door, and only door, one, and yet it's either two. I'm on the inside, on which side are what? You. And we use that comparison of the Lord, uh, you know, being that door into eternity. Jesus said this, uh, no man cometh unto the Father, but by what? Me. You must go by way of the Lord Jesus Christ's doctrine once again. But he turns to the Peter, as he talks about this church and looks at these fellows who are going to be involved in the establishment of the church that he would build, and he said, I give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I am the door. I am the cornerstone, but I give to you the keys. I've got my keys right here, and there's multiple keys on this, this key ring, but if you were to go to any one of these buildings that are here, and one of them, my house right here, and you were to go in my house, preferably you would go through the door because it's a human house you are a man-built house you might be able to find some other way in please don't all right but because it is if you were to go to my house there would be a front door please use the front door as well just knock you know we're welcome in but if you try to sneak in the back you might get shot at all right okay no i'm teasing all right but here it is there's a key right here you come by way of that door in order to get in you've got to have the key and you put it in that door and you turn it and you can unlock it and you can walk right in you must go through the door but you've got to have the key. The Lord tells us this about the church. He said unto this, unto the church, he said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Well, our Lord is the cornerstone of the church. He came to die on an old rugged cross and rise again three days later that we might be saved. And he gave us that message. He, he would appear before his disciples some 40 days before he would ascend up into heaven. And he left us with the keys to the kingdom of heaven. There's folks out there and don't know the gospel. Or maybe they've heard some another gospel, as Paul would call it in Galatians. He said, someone preach another gospel unto you, something that's Jesus plus something more. We live in a society of Jesus plus a whole lot more. And uh, he said, and I've given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I, you know, when it comes to Columbus, Georgia, the one who holds the keys to the kingdom of heaven for Columbus, Georgia is Grace Baptist Church. Oh, there's some other churches out there. Good churches may be doing the same thing, but in terms of our responsibility, you and I hold the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You know, a church that will be alive and thriving always keeps in mind, boy, the, 
the seriousness of our purpose, the reason we're here. We assemble in this room on a, on a service, and then we head back out, and we head back out into our communities with the keys. We don't cease being the church when we leave, do we? We're still the church. We assemble together, and then we go back out as the church into our community with the keys of the kingdom of heaven. God put us here for a purpose. He said, go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. He t- says, how shall they hear without a preacher? And uh, he sends us out, not just from pulpits, but in your workplaces, in your places. And I believe this, a thriving church always keeps in mind its purpose. That we hold the keys to the kingdom of heaven. To share the gospel of Jesus Christ. To disciple the saved. As a product of that, a result of that, is this fellowship that we have here. You know why we're all here? Because someone took the keys and showed us the way. Someone took the keys and showed us the way. Someone discipled us and taught us not only about salvation, but taught us more about the Word of God, all the things that He had said, and we grew and we learned. And as a result of that, we have a sweet fellowship together. There's nothing like the fellowship. I enjoy the fellowship. I enjoyed last night tailgate, Sunday night. I enjoy the time before service, after church, the time fellowshipping, the friendships that are formed uh, around, uh, and those things that happen, those fellowship. But all of those things are a product of a church not losing sight of its purpose. When a church loses sight of its pur- purpose, it puts an expiration date on the body. See, if we don't fulfill the purpose, who comes behind us? Who comes behind us? If you and I aren't reaching people with the gospel of Christ, who will sit in those pews when you and I are gone? If Grace Baptist Church will be an alive and thriving church 30 years from now, it'll be because we made good use of the key. If we ever lose sight of that, our individual responsibility, not only do souls enter into an eternity without Christ, but a church loses its life. God put us here for a purpose. Well, I love this place. I love its fellowship. I love the time together, and I enjoy all those things. And those things are sweet because we have something in common. It's the Lord Jesus Christ and a unity around His Word. A thriving church, it's, it's alive and it's thriving because it's, it's doctrinal, it's centered around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it keeps it, its purpose in mind that to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to disciple the saved, to baptize them. And as a result of that, I love how it says in, in the book of Acts that it says there in Acts chapter 2 that they could con- continued in the apostles' doctrine and in, breaking, and in prayers and in breaking of pre- bread and in fellowship. That a result of its doctrine and its prayer and its purpose, they had a sweet fellowship that grew because they never lost sight of their purpose. Yeah, if a church that stays alive and stays thriving, it, it, it is doctrinal, it is purposeful, it is faithful in the face of opposition. Look at verse 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not what? Prevail against it. The Lord would tell his disciples, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. 
It's faithful in the, the face of opposition. The Lord tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, having done all to stand, and then He tells us how to stand. He says, to put on the whole armor of God. The Holy Spirit would say by way of Paul to Timothy to endure hardness as a good soldier. The Lord would tell Peter, or God would use Peter to tell the church to be be ready always to give an answer, the hope that lieth within you. And he was talking about in the face of persecution. Ready for, to move forward and to stay faithful in the face of, of opposition. Well, we don't face much, if you will, in terms of opposition. The most you and I face uh, in our own country is maybe someone not appreciating it, right? Demeaning it a little bit in the way that what they may say about the gospel or those type of things. But the reality is a church that thrives, decides something, I am going to be faithful in the face of opposition. What I like about that is it also says this about it. It says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You know, gates are not, defense, are not offensive in nature, are they? They're defensive in nature. Last week, I was watching some football, as I did yesterday, all right? It's football season, all right? And I was watching the, the, the Georgia Bulldogs play, all right? And I watched them play, and thankfully, they won the game. But they didn't score one offensive touchdown. Anybody else watch that game? All their points were defensive, if you will. Uh, you know, made me kind of nervous, all right? Thankfully, things were different yesterday. But you know what? A Christian isn't supposed to be scoring all its points on defense. It's supposed to be on offense. He says to that church, he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. God has an expectation for the church that we're facing opposition because we're moving forward for him with the gospel. He doesn't intend for me to sit and put things in neutral. He doesn't tend for me to spend so much time looking backward that I'm not looking forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we should look back at the wonderful things that God has done and praised Him and be thankful for the moving of God. I'm looking forward to homecoming and all those things and praising God for what He's done. But, he's, but, but a church can't rest on what has been. It must move forward with what can be. It must move forward by faith. It must say, I've been given the kingdom of heaven I, 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 or the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I've been given a, the word of God to teach and to preach to this world. And I have been given those, those folks to share the gospel with. I cannot stop moving forward. I must keep going. I must keep going. I must be like Paul and fight the good fight day in and day out, realizing that there's folks who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our purpose is to move forward for Christ. He said, and when that opposition comes to rest in his strength, greater is he that is in you than he that is what? In the world. See, a church that continues to thrive and to be alive for the Lord is a church that is faithful in the face of opposition and is continually moving forward, not, not looking at every obstacle as a means to quit, but every obstacle as a means for God to show himself strong as we move forward for the cause of Christ. Is that if I know I'm going down with the right doctrine and I know I'm going down with the right purpose, when I'm confronted with an obstacle, that's time for God to show Himself strong, not for me to reevaluate my course for Him. 
Well, we live in a world in which uh, churches are rapidly losing their purpose and rapidly losing their doctrine because they think, well, I'm moving forward with the doctrine. I'm, I'm moving forward with this purpose, but it's not as popular as it used to be. It's, it's harder to get folks into the church than it used to be. And things just aren't the same like they used to be. And that's not long before they're compromising their doctrine. And they're becoming more about looking more like the world than they are looking like the local New Testament church. Because they are abandoning their purpose because of the obstacle that stands in front of them. And for, yet for you and I as a Christian, when confronted with the obstacle, it's a calling on God. It's a calling on the Lord. It's to be faithful in the face of opposition in, our, in the ministry. He says this, if, if a church, God says this, he goes, I've come to build this, this church and I'm going to build it upon the rock of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the person of the Lord, the, the sound doctrine of His Word. And if it's going to happen, God will build His church as we go about the purpose of the Lord. And He said, some water, some plant, but who gives the increase? God gives the increase as we go with the keys of the kingdom of heaven and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with everybody we can in any way we can, whether it's individually out there, whether it's for different ministries and functions that we're not just having things because they always have been, that, that we do them to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't run buses and have vacation Bible schools and different programs and do these things just because they're routine habit. And if we're not careful, it can become routine habit. And when it becomes routine habit to us, it gets old news to us. And we're ready to step aside because it's old. But we have to remember this isn't some organization. This isn't some machine that's rusting. It is an organism. It's the body of Christ. Reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fulfilling the purpose and pointing people to the Lord and being faithful in the face of opposition. And not only that, but... A thriving church is doctrinal, it's purposeful, it's, it's, it's faithful in the face of opposition. I, I believe this with all my heart, it is prayerful. I like how it says in that verse, and it says, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I believe this, that the Lord said, I will build my church. The so source of it all is the Lord. We ever forget the source, we're in, we're in serious trouble. We live in day of method. I, I enjoy it. I, 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 you know, I enjoy presenting those Bibles to those fellows here this morning. And, and I know to them it's probably a Bible, all right? Now, maybe for me, I'm a little bit of a, I'm a preacher, so I'm a Bible geek, I guess, all right? So the fact that where those Bible came from and all those things is a big deal to me, and it is to all of us. We, we appreciate the Bible. But, you know, as a pastor, you, you look around at all the different things that people are doing, not just you look to the Word of God first of all for what God has, but then you begin to look around and see what are people doing and how is God blessing in different, different places. And I've noticed this a lot, especially, if you will, among my peers, that when it comes to church growth, they get together for church growth, and what method do you have? What do you have for visitor retention? What do you have for... Uh, you know, what, what key things do you have for out there to get people in? And what new programs are you using? And uh, what, what are you doing? And I hear a lot about, about method. And I'm all for method. You evaluate your methods. But God never anywhere said that he uses methods to build his church. I'm pretty sure that church at Jerusalem didn't have all the tools that we have. You know what they did have, though? power of the Holy Spirit. 
They assembled in that upper room. They got on their knees before God and they prayed. And that Holy Spirit came down like a fire. And Peter went out and preached Pentecost and 3,000 were saved. They would gather together and assemble again in the face of persecution. Peter would show up at the, tabern- at the temple or at the synagogue and there's a guy, alms, alms, and he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. Rise up and walk. And all of a sudden, the council heard that, man, someone just got healed. I thought we nailed that guy to the cross already. And they said, well, it's a guy named Peter, and he did it in Jesus' name. So they hauled Peter and John before the council, and there they command them, don't you dare go out and preach in his name and throw him in jail overnight. And they come back out, and they said, it's better for us to obey God than man. All right, my friend. Sad when you've got to tell the religious world that, right? It's better for us to obey God than man. And so they go back, and there they begin to pray. And they begin to pray and they begin to pray and say, God, here we are in the face of this persecution, but you've had a plan since the very beginning. Give us boldness. And that Holy Ghost came down and he moved and they had boldness and they went out to the church, began to preach and the church multiplied and grew and continued. Oh man, I'm all about method. I believe in doing the best with what you have. I believe being a good steward of the things that God entrusts you with, but... God doesn't bless because you have the best method. He doesn't bless because you have the best tool. He blesses because we called on his name and he went to work. You know what makes a church alive and thriving? Is when we get on our knees before God and say, God, would you use us in work? Oh, like that church of Acts. God, give me boldness when I walk out these doors. Give me a passion for the gospel. Give me a passion for souls. And what I love this place. I love the assembly. I love what you've done in my life through it. And God, I'm asking you when I walk out of here, use me and give me boldness to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, in that church, I read that prayer. It's in Acts chapter 4 if you want to read it later. But not one time did they ask for the persecution to go away. <laughs> it's crazy. That would have been first on my list. Not one time did they ask. Matter of fact, they recognize that why doth the heathen rage? They reference the Psalms. They've been trying all the way since the beginning to stop this thing. And yet, God, you've had a purpose. History is truly his story. It's been you at work all the way through. So, God, what we're asking for you is in face of what's out there, would you give us boldness and would you do a work? I tell you, I think the church that will thrive in the years ahead our world, I, I, we don't face someone coming to these doors and chaining us in and doing all that, but, but we face a wicked world. I think one of the greatest things that we face is the plenty and materialism of the world that distracts us from our purpose and from the doctrines and from the truths and leads us off into its leisures rather than fulfilling the purpose of God's Word. You see, I think the church that will be around is the one that gets on their knees and says, Lord, in spite of all that's going on in our world, would you work? In spite of the fact that materialism reigns and sin seems to be taking place and there's all this violence and all these things in our world, in spite of the fact that many are falling by the wayside, would you keep us faithful and would you do a work and would you use me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Would you help us to thrive? I think that's what God uses. I was looking, I read the chapters in Revelations 2 through 4 and seven churches God warns them about their candle being put out if they didn't change some things. Well, friend, their candle was put out. I don't know how soon after they received those messages from the Lord, but sooner or later their candle was put out. We could all look back at 
places that once were and are no more. I don't know all their stories, but I do know when I look at this, this is God looking at his, at his disciples and saying, here's how I'm going to work in my church. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the one who's the foundation of it. The Lord Jesus Christ, the doctrines of his word. I've got a purpose for you, and I'm giving you the, kings, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Never forget, you hold the keys. I, I want you to be faithful in the face of opposition. As a matter of fact, I, I don't want you to, because I want you to run after the opposition. I want you to be on offense in the Christian life. And then recognize this, how much we need him. You just call upon him and say, God, keep us thriving. Keep us going forward. We need your boldness. And I think that's how you hold all hand to church to the next generation. Here's a church that's still a light, still a salt, still the pillar in the ground of truth. It's not become some fellowship hall or some event center or some program that just goes on and out there, but it's still maintaining the purpose that God intended because the doctrine was important. The purpose was important. They stayed faithful in the face of opposition and they called on God and said, Lord, we need you. Let's pray together.